Let's explain those badlands. That's a hell of a name. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Badlands Daily. This is all connected, guys. It, it really is. It's, it's it's undeniable. Which is a rigged system with these elite people. There is no need to complicate something that doesn't need to be complicated. The divide is, is meant to keep us divided and fighting each other. But they control the actors, and I really think they have to jump for They like making their pet monkeys dance. It's just a creation that exists in the minds of people who are still addicted to the central narrative. All right, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to... Badlands Daily, joined this morning by my lovely co-host, Ash, who I'm going to see three straight days. Like, I know. We're, we're going to be on another like uh, mission here, Wednesday, Thursday, tomorrow's hearing, why we vote. Go. Man, we got yeah. the whole thing. How are you doing this morning, Ash? I'm good. I'm doing really good. Yesterday was a bananas news uh, day, and um, I believe Patrick will be back on the brief tomorrow. He's got some family stuff going on. Uh, the past couple of days, so uh, I'm I'm happy to be here. I uh, awesome. I love I love arguing with you in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're gonna have a leg up on me today because I do not have any coffee, so uh, you're oh. gonna have to. Yeah, I'm gonna be dragging ass. We'll see. You want how to pull? Goes. You want to pull my punches? Is what you're saying? Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're if you fight, you know, if you fight uh Southpaw, I need you to switch over here and. You know, give me give me an advantage. Give me and handicap me in this in this fight here. But uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. We do have a lot to get through today. And uh, before we do that, let's go ahead and jump into our first sponsor for the show. We've got Fog Lean. Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you have moderate to high stress, a doctor formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on your blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings. Now the good news. The studied ingredients in lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, uh, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. If your life is a bit stressful and you want to lose weight, add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com and enter Badlands15. That's promo code BADLANDS15 at takelean.com, takelean.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease and is not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. Uh, One more time, 15% off free shipping, 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com and enter BADLANDS15 as your promo code. All right. Thank you very much. And uh, while we uh, 
before we get into today's news stories, if you guys could hit that little thumbs up down there, got the, well, the numbers are jumping up now, uh, but in between the join unfollow, well, don't, don't hit the unfollow. If you haven't hit the follow, hit that one, but hit that little thumbs up helps us out tremendously. Special thank you this morning to Kathy, Kathy M Harris, 54, who just became a monthly supporter. Uh, that helps us out tremendously as well. Yeah. All right, uh, let's start off with uh, some good news because I don't really know how much good news the news I'm sorry, is. Good news? I'm sorry, could you, what is what is good news? Yeah, oh, that is good news. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch McConnell will step down as the Senate Republican leader in November after a record run at the job. Uh, it says Mitch McConnell from the AP, the longest serving Senate leader in history, maintained his power through the face of dramatic convulsions in the Republican Party for almost two decades. Will step down from that position in November. <laughs> this was hilarious. This is the funniest quote I've ever read in my entire life. One of life's most underappreciated talents is to know when it's time to move on to life's next chapter, he said. <laughs> so I stand you, I stand before you today, dot dot dot. And I I want to I want to kind of guesstimate what was going in in that dot 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 but he says so i stand before you today dot 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 yeah mitch you're good mitch mitch oh i'm sorry yeah i'm good uh to say that this will be my last term as republican leader of the senate uh i of course had to pull up mitch's glitch right here one of one fun. of mitch's glitches that's true. Uh, <laughs> Hello, Clarity. I'm running for re-election. Hey, hey, you were asked a question about whether you're going to continue to try and hold power. Visiting angels, America's <laughs> choice in home care. It's so bad. It's so bad. Like... I love the underappreciated talents. One of the most underappreciated talents is knowing when to move on. Apparently, you don't have that talent because it should have been 20 years ago. Yeah, you never should have been there in the first place. I did love the uh, the troll here from the House Freedom Caucus on X said, our thoughts are with our Democrat colleagues in the Senate on the retirement of their co-majority leader, Mitch McConnell, Democrat from Ukraine. No need to wait until November. Senate Republicans should immediately elect a Republican minority leader. I like the little troll there. So you said um, that he never should have been there in the first place. And that reminded me, did you see the yes. clip somebody just unearthed of him talking election fraud? I'm saving that yeah. for tomorrow night. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. So everybody tune into why we vote tomorrow stuff. night. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to figure out how to kind of uh, tie that into an article uh, to get that out there. I, I mean, maybe I'll just write an article about that, you know? Well, well, I mean, so if I could offer a suggestion to me, when you look at kill chain, you look at the post 2016, uh, assertions, you go back to 2000, right. And look at the assertions about the, what, what I see is that elected officials are honest about the state of election integrity, the state of our election systems and the vulnerabilities and um, real problems that we have related to our elections and systems until they are brought into the fold about how that system uh, works for their party. And then they shut up about it and then they start denying that it exists. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good spin to put on it because, uh, you know, 1985, I think, was when that came out or 89 
um, mm -hmm. where he was talking about that stuff. And I mean, only more has been exposed since then, but he went in the opposite direction in terms of his opinion on it. So that's, that's a, that's a good, that's a good approach. Maybe that's what I'll, what I'll do with that. But anyways, Let's keep moving along here from Breitbart News. Texas billionaire John Arnold joins Meta board after funding misinformation censorship. You can't make this up, ladies and gentlemen. Meta is just, and we'll talk about another uh, big promotion they had that I wrote about uh, several months back. But um, Texas billionaire John Arnold has donated millions of dollars to organizations dedicated to censoring quote unquote disinformation. The move uh, Meta announced in mid-February that Arnold has joined the company's board of directors. Arnold co-founded and co-chairs Arnold Ventures, a philanthropic organization dedicated to advancing criminal justice and other issues. The move is concerning because of Arnold's apparent dedication to censorship. Excuse me. The move is concerning because of Arnold's apparent dedication to censorship of what he believes is quote-unquote misinformation as America approaches a presidential election. Arnold Ventures has given $13.7 million to five groups dedicated to combating alleged disinformation, which often end up targeting free speech as part of a larger censorship machine. Arnold Ventures granted the American Journalism Project, the AJP, $9.7 million. The AJP invests in local news and nonprofit groups, quote, in the absence of trusted news sources, we see targeted disinformation campaigns, including efforts to spread misinformation through social networks and websites masquerading as news brands, end quote, the AJP states on its website. The group has also partnered with Racial Equity and Journalism Fund, which has donated millions of dollars to leftist news outlets. Arnold Venture also donated $13.5 to the New Venture Fund. The New Venture Fund created the Media Democracy Fund, which automatically sounds like a horrible communist uh, <laughs> operation, which was reportedly, quote-unquote, instrumental in the leftist push to enact net neutrality regulations during the Obama administration. And it literally keeps going on with organizations yeah. that he funded. I, eventually, I was like, we could do a whole show just on what this guy has funded in terms of, you know, First Amendment censorship. Um, but just real quick before I get you do that show. Yeah, really. That's what I'm saying. Like that. I, I need to save that article and go through uh, each one individually. Uh, but then I, this is an article I wrote back in June. Here we go again. Former CIA promoted to Meta Facebook's head of election policies. Uh, Facebook Meta promoted a former 17 year old, vet, a 17 year veteran, not year old. Former 17-year veteran of the CIA, Aaron Berman, uh, who has been promoted to the head of elections policy for Meta Facebook. Berman was a senior analytic manager, analytics manager, way to typo, Brian, for the CIA from March 2002 through July of 2019. So it continues. It's going to get bad. Yeah. So um, Lara Logan testified before one of the House committees, and she talked about media matters and and broadly sent the censorship industrial complex and how misinformation and disinformation are code words for censorship. It's information. And you know, there is the bucket of malinformation, which is information that's true. That's harmful to the narrative. And I would argue that most of this is information that, you know, most of the information being censored is information that is true, but harmful to the narrative and harmful to the regime. I would encourage everybody to go and watch Lara Logan's, um, comments she's a she's an absolute hero from a journalism standpoint she has walked away from multi-million dollar con uh, contracts she was covering the arab spring and was gang raped and sodomized 
Um, and because it didn't, her, her experience, a female journalist in in Egypt being gang raped, but they were, but the, but the but the regime and therefore the media was peddling the Arab Spring is a beautiful, wonderful thing. We have to support this. And so her story was buried. It was reported, but it was buried, and she was later punished. Um, these are these are the same Me Too people. It, the, the hypocrisy is astounding. But Lara Logan is a hero, and she has consistently stood up for journalistic principles. There are things on our own side that people don't know about that she has walked away from. Things that um, you know, very very lucrative opportunities that she has walked away from because they did not conform to her values. They didn't align with her values. She um, really is, in, in my view, the the gold, the gold standard of. Uh, and I don't and I don't mean that in the in the you know, electoral sense where it, it's actually a pile of steaming poo. I mean, it, she really is an exemplary example, exemplary yes. example. There, she exemplifies journalism, uh, what, what it should be, not what it's become in communist America. There's been a lot of, uh, you know, the expose, so to speak, on the, the censorship apparatus. Obviously, we still have Missouri v. Biden now waiting for the Supreme Court. Uh, Mike Benz came out, obviously, on the Tucker uh, podcast a couple days ago that was explosive maybe a week and a half ago two weeks ago um it was that long was it two weeks it wasn't last weekend it was the weekend before that so yeah about a week and a half ago um yeah because i was watching it saturday when i was working at my shop um the other, the other thing, so Tucker yesterday was, uh, or not yesterday, but the day before, very recently, I don't know the exact date, was uh, did an interview with Lex Friedman, which I have no clue who Lex Friedman really is. Um, he's creepy he as hell. Screams three-letter agency. Yes, 100%. No, no four-letter agency as in, as in like NKVD, OKGB. Like he just screams Soviet or or Eastern Bloc asset. I don't know where, but um, it, and it's really weird because you know, like a lot of times, not so much anymore, but a lot of times I used to late at night I would watch uh uh like when my wife works a couple nights a week I'd watch the Timcast podcast and I would I'd always fall asleep. It was like my fall asleep podcast. <laughs> I would literally fall asleep halfway through or you know whatever. I love that Tim Cast is your fall asleep podcast, and you were on the show. Well, I mean, it's like it, it's it, it it's got some good information sometimes, but it just gets so redundant. It get yeah, it gets so redundant. But anyways, my my point in bringing that up is because every single time when I wake up, Lex Friedman's on, and I've like I'm like I've never once organically searched out. Uh, Alex Friedman podcast. But the reason I bring this up and I apologize, guys, is because um, Tucker was on there yesterday and Tucker, you know, admits to, uh, you know, election fraud, basically saying that there's 100 uh, percent election fraud in this. You know, it's without a doubt and blah, blah, blah. But then he goes on to peddle the same bullshit that everybody else talks about when they say, yeah, there probably was some election fraud. The mainstream people. Yeah. Look how they rigged the election with the Hunter they Biden. Stole legally. Right. They stole it legally. And I'm like, no, you dumb sons of bitches. Yeah. There was legitimate fraud, and this this censorship apparatus is what keeps it away from from people. And 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 Tucker tells a story about somebody that gave him information, and he's like, "Oh, I you know I I didn't vet it enough, and I said, you know, six people names, and two of them that were dead voters, and two of them are alive." And I'm like, first off, you're peddling the dead voter narrative, and that's just worthless. I mean, that's just dumb. I mean, you're talking a you know a couple maybe maybe. Uh, maybe a thousand votes in, in, in you know, swing Which, state. 
can be significant depending on the it race. Can be. It can be. But but my point is is that there's way more significant to Michelle Long Spears. Yeah. There but there's way mo- long more. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, of course. The the they stole it legally narrative is a Republican deployment, narrative deployment going back to the movie Rigged. It, that which it which uh, somebody look up when the movie rigged came out i mean 20 late 2021 or 2022 the it came out to i believe kind of dilute the impact of 2000 mules they released it first they kind of diluted and then it was oh well you know covid was so horrible this horrible pandemic and they changed the laws and they relaxed some standards and it's unfortunate and it shouldn't have happened but it's not intentional fraud everybody was just trying to do covid and that's a lie from the pit of hell. That is not the current state of what happened in our 2020 election. We know what happened in our 2020 election because we've spent the past three years de- analyzing it down to the to the to the vendor manuals and the election night reporting data, both Edison and what's coming off of the systems. From looking at systems, uh, which which you know has has caused some people to be persecuted by the state for looking at systems and taking images of systems and whatnot. And so um, the idea that, oh yeah, they stole it legally and we just need to vote harder. We need Scott Pressler to go out there and, uh, um, you know, register some more voters and encourage them all to vote early and to chase the ballot. And let's harvest guys. Let's go engage in ballot harvesting because we're totally going to win a ballot harvesting game legally against people who do it illegally. It's, it's, it is, it is RNC and I want the RNC to go the way it's going, which is, you know, down in a fiery blaze. Yeah. Medbeds. He said, thanks for the shout out, but that wasn't a shout out. I I was on Tim cast. I didn't pay 50 grand. I was allowed in the, I was allowed in the compound. Uh, It's not like some major secret. I wasn't blindfolded when they drove me there uh you know or anything along those lines so i i don't know where that comes from that you have to have 50 grand to be on on that show but um I, I know crazy with your rumors <laughs> i know several disinformation, people disinformation yeah i know several oh, people Sammy, also I have been on hate scott pressler i do not hate scott pressler first of all i want to make that clear sammy says ash really hates scott pressler i do not i think scott pressler is incredible at registering voters i think he did a great job of picking up trash i do yeah. not think that he has on the the level of analysis necessary to form the opinions that he's forming you can't get there intellectually honest i have debated him twice brian has debated him sean smith has debated him clay parik has debated him all of us talking about the issues with early voting and in my case i laid out all of the issues and his answer was that's baloney we need to do this yeah uh i don't hate he, him i he, hate his ideas and i hate what he's doing but i do not hate him he would be somebody that would be perfect after the election fraud was cleaned up to, to you know, to encourage people. Uh, well, I, even then, I, you know, I still hate get out the vote. I think it's the dumbest thing ever. Like we know people know people know that there's an election coming up. If they want to vote, they'll get off their lazy asses and vote. You know, we don't need people going to their doors and knocking on their doors and being like, hey, make sure you vote. Voting, what's that? Please explain to me what this voting is. I've never heard of this before. How do I do it? Do I have to register? Yes, you have to register. Just put your name down. It's the dumbest shit ever. And uh, MedBeds, I, I know what you mean now about sponsors. I got you. All right, so let's jump into this story from Mercury News. It says, tech and hotel layoffs jolt Bay Area job market 
as e economic woes widen. And we, we got a, a few job stories that we're going to talk about here. And I brought this one up first because we just talked about Facebook. And uh, I, I think Facebook's going to get absolutely crushed. You know, they're now taking this uh, new, um, <clears throat> they're, they're, they're trying a new algorithm that's going to de, uh, de, de, almost deplatform, but decentralize, not decentralized, depromote. I don't know what the word is there. Uh, political content. And they're going to you know, try and they're not going to highlight political content anymore. That's what I should are say. Are they going to actively suppress it or are they just not going to highlight they're it? They're going to actively suppress it. So demote. Yeah, demote. I, yeah, I guess demote in in lieu of more personable content with people you know and stuff. You know what what Facebook was meant to be originally. Anyways, it says an electric vehicle vehicle company in a big hotel of disclosure. Sorry, do you mean originally at Facebook or originally at DARPA? Fair. An electric vehicle company and a big hotel have disclosed plans for hundreds of job cuts after the Bay Area workers. Uh, these two companies, Rivian Automotive, an electric vehicle company, has decided to cut 149 jobs in Palo Alto. The company is also cutting another 154 jobs in Orange County. Uh, Marriott Hotel is uh, San Mateo Hotel is cutting 127 jobs. That wasn't the big thing for me. The big thing are the, the cumulative numbers. And it says here, so far in 2024, tech companies have disclosed their intention to eliminate about 5,400 jobs in the Bay Area alone in 2022, 2023, and so far in 2024, tech companies have revealed plans to jettison about 37,000 jobs in the Bay Area. San Francisco, your communist uh, ideology is catching up on you and mm. people are leaving. These companies are leaving. And uh, well, I don't I don't know if, even know if it's they're leaving or as much as they're drowning. They're just not making the money that they used to make. They're 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 not making that pandemic cash anymore. Does the article say whether um, those jobs are going away entirely or those jobs are just going away in the Bay Area? No, they're permanent. It said permanent. So the job, so, so this, that to me is not a geographical decision that because San Francisco's, you know, right, San Francisco right, right. and San Jose, you have Silicon Valley, you have all of those companies there. Those companies are global, right? So, so if they're getting rid of those functions and those full-time employee heads, that's a business decision. And it's not based on being in San Francisco. It's based upon changing work. And what's funny about this is that these tech companies are the ones that have been pushing the automation trend for a decade, uh, getting you know more and more of our lives and our livelihoods on the digital environment. And they've been talking, you know, the whole UBI push, universal basic income push originated here in this conversation. Automation and robotics are going to drive people. It's going to lessen the number of jobs that we need. And people who are highly skilled in these areas are no longer going to be required anymore. And there's not a lot of ways we can redeploy them. Right. And so we're going to need to give them all universal basic income. Um, that is what these companies have been pushing and their employees have been enabling in building these technologies and expanding the market share and all of those kinds of things. And now their jobs are going away. Um, can't make it up, but also you should have seen it coming. Yeah. Well, here's another story. I, you know, it's not geographical in the sense that they're, you know, relocating somewhere, but I mean, a lot of it is geographics. Uh, San Francisco, their tax rate in California in general, their tax rate is through the absolute roof. Do you think if they were paying that high of a corporate tax that they would be able to spend more money on? Uh, I mean, employees are the first. Uh, uh, I think they're mutually exclusive because if if the taxes and the location were the problem, they'd do what you know Elon and Rogan and other people have done and they'd move. 
they'd move their business to somewhere where it's more if they were really committed to doing all of these all of these employees that are going to be fired whatever work they're doing the, the reason they're getting rid of that work is not because the, no the reason that they're getting rid of that work is not because the taxes are high in San Francisco the reason that they're getting rid of that work is because that work is not required anymore otherwise they'd move it to somewhere where the taxes weren't so high yeah but you can't in one breath say that uh DARPA is controlling Facebook and then in the next talk about these tech companies not having influence from asset intelligence agencies and and hell uh, I can't the tech companies are built by DARPA hold on let me make my point yeah exactly <laughs> and they're they're strategically located in San Francisco for a reason because and of your the argument is that it's tax-based no my argument is that Rogan and well I, I don't consider Rogan because he's I mean he's right. not a yeah. tech guy like Elon but Elon moving had Elon is the, and you know, I don't want to put him on too high of a, plat, a, a pedestal here, but Elon is the the proverbial diamond in the rough here. He is the guy that is bucking against the system. He's the bull in the china shop, so to speak. And he he, he doesn't give zero shits, he, or he gives zero shits, I should say, about moving to Texas. Whereas these companies are firmly rooted in San Francisco. They're not going to move out of Silicon Valley. Um, so I, I, I don't know. But I, I completely disagree with that because Amazon has already been moving. They built a big campus here. They built their huge. This is like, you know, three years or so ago. They're already moving out of California and Portland, these businesses, because the tax environment, the, the business environment is very hostile. And, and so they there's still a presence of Amazon on the West Coast, but they've redistributed and rebalanced a lot of their workforce and the work that they're doing to places all over the country that are more, uh, more, you know, hospitable to business and not so hostile. They're not just going to stay in Silicon Valley because that's where they've put their flag in the ground. Um, I think Google, Google probably will. Right now, Google also has built campuses in, in multiple places around the world. Again, here in um, Denver, north of Denver. There's a big Google campus that was built uh, right, you know, as I was in in the process of transitioning out of out of corporate America. But these th these are business decisions and getting rid of a whole bunch of your people, entire functions. We've seen this repeatedly through industries in the chips industry and whatnot. They're getting rid of entire functions of people. That's not because San Francisco's taxes are high. It's because the nature of the work is changing and those people aren't going to have jobs. I'm not saying that it's not changing. I'm saying, but it's also an atmosphere that is not conducive to uh, to growing a business. I mean, there's nobody in their right mind that if they had to open up a business, all politics, excuse me, politics and everything else aside, and just strictly by the numbers, nobody would open a business in San Francisco or in California when you have options like Florida and Delaware uh, and, and Texas that are out there with uh, much, much more lucrative terms for, you know, in, in terms of taxes and, and uh, corporations. Why did, why did that go away? All right, well, let's jump into this story here. On, just to close out this part. Gosh, Robin, we, we can't we can't spend like forever on one topic. We got to keep going. OK, go ahead. all right. We got to keep going. Macy's to close 150 stores over three years as sales slip. Uh, Macy's, uh, this also ties into San Francisco. Macy's will close 150 unproductive namesake stores over the next three years, including 50 by year end. Uh, Macy's aimed to upgrade its remaining 350 stores with plans to add more sales uh, people to fitting areas and shoe departments while adding more visual displays like mannequins. In other words, put them in the fitting areas is, uh, is, is uh, loss prevention right there. Um, the company signaled a pivot to luxury. It, would, it said it would open 15 of its high-end Bloomingdale stores and 30 
of its luxury Blue Mer Mercury, excuse me, Blue Mercury cosmetic locations. Macy's store closures marked the second biggest store cuts since February 2020 when it announced it was closing 125 of its at, uh, of its least productive stores and cutting 2,000 corporate jobs. So again, we're going to see a jobs report tomorrow that's going to be like glaringly positive, like 350,000 jobs created in February. They're going to brag about it and everything else like that. But nothing in the news suggests that like there's any any substantial growth in the job market. But but remember those 37,000 tech jobs? Those people, if they want to keep their lifestyle you know, in check, they got to get like three jobs. So maybe that's how it's like, you know, for the jobs report, it comes in, you lose one and you pick up three, maybe, I don't know. Well, the, the jobs report notoriously has changed the metric so that they count as new jobs, people's second and third jobs. So it's, this is, this was um, prominent during the Obama administration, changing the economic numbers to make, you know, to tell the story that you want to tell, changing the, the um, formulas of the metrics. We see it again in the Biden administration. Then we have this story here, uh, and this is dealing specifically with the flagship store in San Francisco, that Macy's store in San Francisco Union Square, according to six employees that have been working at the department store, uh, said that they believe that retail theft was the primary factor in that decision. They said it happens every day. Uh, and they went on the record with their name, which I always like that better. Steve Dallasay uh, said blazers, wallets, boxer briefs are the items most frequently stolen. He said thieves take at least four blazers every day, adding that he typically sees about 10, to wall 10 wallets and 20 briefs stolen daily. I, you know, I had a story up. Uh, and that, that all ties into Prop 47. I mean, it's just rampant in San Francisco. You, you can't sustain a business where you're losing. And I know that that's a small number for Macy's as a whole. But I mean, every single day, four blazers, 10 wallets and, and 20 briefs stolen every single day. You, you just it just cuts into your margins uh, pretty significantly. Um, but I was going to I was going to cover a story. I've had it up for the last two days and I just never we never really had time at the end. But there was a shooting in uh, Chicago. A uh, guy came in to try and rob a jewelry store and uh, an armed with a legally armed uh, business owner was there and shot the guy uh, as he was breaking into his store, like breaking the glass for the jewelry and everything. And the guy fled and ran and whatever they rest. They, they arrested the guy that broke in, but they also arrested the store owner and they told the store owner um, that if you guys agree to drop the charges against each other, we'll drop the charges against you for using a weapon. You know, you're, you're basically saying your life wasn't in danger and you shot the guy that wasn't authorized. You're like, you're not, that's not legal. So if you drop the charges against him, he'll drop the charges for shooting him. It's like, I mean, that's where we're at now where crime is being negotiated. Yeah. Laura Loomer posted, uh, yes, this is totally off topic, but kind of goes to what you're saying in terms of, you know, the misalignment of things, pointed uh, to a story of Ron DeSantis um, and the changing of the law so he could run for president, right? And she she was taking the details of how legislators had decided to change the law to allow him to run to president to avoid a lawsuit. Oh, well, he was going to sue us. So we had to change the law. And it's like, wait a second. So your legislators are complete cowards and afraid of a lawsuit. So they're going to change the law where we have a misalignment of um, incentives and outcomes and what's important in the positions and, and, and power centers in this country, which is a little bit scary. Yeah. Um, 
Speaking of <laughs> changing laws, this one works the other way, not the way that you're implying their complete opposite way. Panera Bread Company ducked California's new $20 minimum wage law. You can't make this shit up, folks. Billionaire Greg Flynn is running one of the world's largest restaurant franchise operations, uh, and uh, he's getting a boost now from California because of a new law that raises the state minimum wage at fast food spots to $20 an hour from $16 an hour, but has an unusual exemption for chains that bake bread and sell it as a standalone item. Gavin Newsom pushed for that break. Among the main beneficiaries is Flynn, a longtime Newsom donor whose California holdings include two dozen Panera Bread locations. Flynn, who has been involved in business dealings with Newsom, in addition to contributing to the governor's political campaigns, said in a brief conversation that he didn't play a role in crafting the bread exemption. Flynn emerged as a prominent critic of the fast food bill known as the Fast Act. In, 20, in a 2022 opinion piece in Capital Weekly, he said it would all but kill the franchising business model in the state. McDonald's Corporation franchisees have estimated that the wage will uh, the wage law will cost each California location for McDonald's about $250,000 a year, characterizing it as a devastating financial blow. And more Michelle Corsmo, the head of the National Restaurant Association, told an ind industry conference last year that, quote, everyone's scratching their head, end quote, about the bread exemption. She described the provision as an example of why her organization's members should develop political connections to seek better legislative outcomes. Quote, you may be celebrating or you may be lamenting the bakery exemption, but remember, all of it comes through relationships. That, that Ash, you're the, you're uh -huh. the, well, you're the resident pro se attorney, right? And I mean that she's not an actual attorney, but she probably not knows more than most, she probably knows more than most attorneys. She would never belittle herself to that level. Um, that that can't stand up to the 14th amendment right equal application to tell somebody that I, I, unless they're hiding it behind like i, I look panera's well, got to explain business. the 14th amendment connection to a to the bread exemption well, would, well equal protection under the law you can't create a, a law that that excludes exempts certain individuals well in this case businesses mm, types of businesses and you can that's what the regular regulatory code does is is divide regulations based on types of businesses they're making a distinction between fast food and bakery it's no no they're not no they're not that's what it no. sounded like panera is not a bakery panera so the hell is it a, isn't it's a Have fast food panera? The, the the exemption in the law is that if you sell bread as a standalone item so in other words every mcdonald's out there should put a roll on their menu you can buy a roll for 49 cents and now I think they have to bake them though don't don't they have to actually participate in baking the rolls yeah, because it's okay. the bakery part because yeah. Panera is a bakery. So fun fact, fun, fun Panera story. And I'll keep it quick. Um, the uh, we at my church back in um, Florida in the early 2000s, Panera donated all the unused bread to the homeless, uh, feed the homeless, you know, I the, the church's uh, food kitchen and eventually ended up um, stopping because of government regulations. And all that bread went in the trash. Yeah, that's actually uh, a really admirable thing. I'm not knocking Panera here. I'm not at but all. They are I mean, a bakery is my point. They put they, I mean, they're 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 not just they're not like a McDonald's. It's a different yeah, but, it's a different type of business. But but that's not the exemption. The exemption isn't for bakeries. They're they're lumped in with the fast food act, which specifically like originally Flynn had lobbied uh, to exempt Panera as not being a fast food restaurant, but rather a fast casual restaurant. Um, and, and, uh, they didn't, they didn't 
you know, overcome that hurdle. So they are lumped in there, but they carved out that exemption because they sell bread as a standalone item. And I, I, to me, I just think that's absolutely absurd. And I'd be furious if I was anybody that's even remotely close to competing with Panera. I, I don't even know who competes with Panera. I've never, never so actually. So like Kneader's Bakery, um, the Georgia Bread Company, Atlanta Bread Company is another big one. That's a chain that it's, it's similar. So you have the restaurant side and you have the bakery side. And they are a different type of business than a McDonald's. They're not baking bread at McDonald's. There's an entire staff dedicated to baking the bread at Panera that are not serving the customers or, or putting, you know, a, a schmear on the bagels, not making the sandwiches. They're in the back baking bread as a bakery. Then those people should be exempt. The people that are ex uh, explicitly involved in baking the bread. I just think this is absurd, man. To th yeah. to sit there and think that this guy didn't have any influence on this, a a, a partner with with Newsom. I don't. It doesn't really say to what extent. It just says that he's um, been involved in business it, dealings with Newsom. AMP nine says Subway bakes their own bread. They do. I don't think it's a menu item though. I think you can buy it if you ask for it. Like I'd want you know a whole bunch of your rolls, but I don't think that bread as a standalone item is on their menu. Yeah, my dad used to own a. Uh, several subways down here and definitely not a standalone item they yeah. definitely break bake their own bread and it's definitely loaded with sugar and a bunch of other it's stuff super that you, good though their it, white is, bread is it, is really good. it is really good all right i want to play a couple clips now uh actually you know what let's jump into our, our into our next sponsor uh before we kind of change subject a little bit here and uh ladies and gentlemen the wellness company as you guys are excuse me no it's not the wellness company don't believe your eyes, man. See the coffee. I, I can't even think straight, man. Like, oh, man. All right, let's jump into this one here. Are you concerned about the $6 trillion at stake in the upcoming 2024 election? The Wall Street Journal has reported a critical issue. The looming decision on extending tax cuts scheduled to expire after 2025. Republicans advocate for extending Trump's tax cuts while Democrats lean towards letting them expire and increasing taxes on top earners and corporations, potentially creating a massive $6 trillion gap. But fear not, there's a way to protect yourself from this impending threat. Join the thousands of hardworking Americans who are taking proactive steps to safeguard their savings. Visit BadlandsGold.com to claim your free 2024 gold and silver kit and fortify everything you've worked for. You may even qualify for up to 10% back in bonus silver, but hurry, supplies are limited. Don't leave your financial future to chance. Act now to diversify and shield your savings against the uncertainties ahead. Get your free 2024 gold kit and silver kit and at today at badlandsgold.com and take control of your financial destiny all right Might as well. uh, the biggest kind of the, the underlying story of that panera story is the freaking minimum wage right like the the nice. impact that that minimum wage is having on business and uh you know they should consider doing surge pricing like wendy's they did you see wendy's rescinded on that they they, they no back. i didn't but the yeah. memes yesterday were amazing. Oh my god! <laughs> the one you sent me, what was it like? Uh, buy a buy a baconator in the on morning. The dip. <laughs> buy a baconator on the dip. <laughs> Hold the sandwich and sell for a twenty seven percent profit. Profit. Yeah, it was yesterday. Was so much fun on Wendy's on the Wendy's story. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, Wendy's was throwing around the idea of. Um, making their their menu items based on surge pricing like like uber like when you take an uber after a concert and it's surging mm -hmm. five times 
Wendy's was considered considering doing that with 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 their food. So like you go to get a Baconator and like it's at 11 a.m. It's, uh you know, nine dollars or whatever it is. And at 12 p.m. during the lunch rush, it's fifteen dollars and 30 cents. And it's just like, wow, for a just, hamburger. Well, that's a whole nother subject. <laughs> that's a whole nother subject. How my wife and I, when we went to Taco Bell on Saturday night, we spent thirty six dollars and we weren't even stoned. Wow. I say in your five guys story, too, yep. you know. Um, guys. Yeah. We're We're, all getting priced out of food. And we're not chunky people, man. We're, we're really thin. We don't eat a whole lot of food, but anyways. All right, let's jump into these stories here. So there's, there's a a whole Democrat shift now moving around the border. Okay. So today Joe Biden and Donald Trump are both down at the border. Uh, We'll get into that a little bit here, but I want to play Breitbart had two great articles documenting this uh, Democrat flip flop, so to speak. And let's check these out real quick. Just a couple couple minutes of this one. Part of the problem is this was happening. This this man who was walking freely to then go kill this 22 year old girl. He was crossing over the border at a time when your party was saying our borders are closed, our borders are secure. This administration was saying that things are better than they were in the previous administration. Um, there was an insistence that everything was fine. So now, now, now your party's crying crisis and that it's Republicans' fault. So where were Democrats then? Well, both things can be true, right? One thing can be true, which is, first of all, illegal immigration has been happening in all sorts of administrations. It's been going on for decades. It didn't just start now. Another Mistakes thing, were made on all sides. Have been talking about it the last couple of years, and Democrats were a little late to the party. Another thing can be true is that there was a bipartisan bill to fix it, and Donald Trump killed it because he wants the issue for his campaign. All of those things can be true simultaneously. It doesn't have to be an and or. That being said, I'm for doing more at the border. I'm for making sure we have a secure border. If we have to close the border to do that, so be it. What I'm not for is my grandparents came here escaping the Holocaust. People who are Mm -hmm. escaping persecution need to be able to come to America. But I want to be clear on what's going on with these folks coming here illegally, right, and getting picked up by law enforcement and getting released. They must immediately be deported for sure, period. Yeah, I've never heard Moskowitz make so much sense in his entire life. I hate Mm. to say it. But yeah, why? The, um, oh, good. No, that, that's my only question. Why now? Yeah, well, because it's a crisis issue that the American people are pissed about and they can't ignore it any longer. So now they're having to pretend like they're actually, you know, hard, hard on border security. But um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I check out every time I hear that woman speak. That, <laughs> uh, what? We called it. How come people are still talking about the election? Because here at Fox News, we totally called it. How she still has a job, I have no idea. But uh, yeah, zero respect for that woman. Well, here's another Democrat talking about the border yesterday. But should we hear from the president on this front? Because it's one thing to put out a White House statement and say, you know what, we we believe in this little, not little, but we believe in this specific change in policy. Should the president come out and say that this needs to end? Well, you know, the, the president needs to make that decision. But if, uh, if I would be advising him, I would say definitely yes. Look at the people straight in the eye and say, look, we need to address the issue of uh, migration and if there are anybody that have violated the law 
they should be turned over to ICE. He ought to look at the people straight in the eye and, and, and say, this is what we need to do. I, I just let me let me keep going. I think there's one this more. Is, clip. We got a solid narrative shift now. This yes, is, that's what I'm awesome. saying. Huge, yeah. huge narrative yeah. shift. Congressman Cuellar, um, one last for you. President's going to Brownsville. If you look at illegal immigration encounters over the last few days, it's a few dozen. It's more than 1,200 in Eagle Pass, Texas, where Donald Trump is going. Uh, Illegal immigration encounters in the Del Rio sector, December and January, 87,000. Rio Grande Valley, 25,000. Is the president missing the mark by going to Brownsville and not going where Donald Trump is going? No, you know, look, you know, you have to look at the whole border. He was in El Paso. Uh, I was with him uh, a little bit over a year ago. He's now in Bronzeville. That area used to used to be one of the high uh, places where people used to come. But as you know, they changed. It was the valley. Then it was uh, Eagle Pass, Rio. Then it was El Paso. What's the high point right now? Tucson, Arizona. So as you know, the criminal organizations are able to weave and right. send migrants. So it might have been a hot spot. It has changed now. So, And he was able to weave and out of that question. So there's a whole bunch of stuff packed in there. Oh, he went to El Paso and I was with him. Yeah, that was a scandal. They, clean, they cleaned up the city of El Paso and got rid of all the homeless people for the day the president was there. So, yep. okay, so that's, that's, uh, that's there. But this is really exciting. We have Democrats now saying that we need to deport people. That's a huge shift because prior, you know, they, they, they ended uh, the Title 42 holds. They ended, uh, you know, so many of President Trump's policies on the very first day of his administration, Biden's administration relative to the border. And now we're seeing the impact of those policy decisions and they're having to do a very radical about face. I don't see how this doesn't look like a very radical about face to their base because their base, like here's the thing is they get their talking points and then their base goes out and parrots them. I argue with a lot of these people in real life and online. Right. And they're repeating these talking points. Now they've done a 180 on some of the talking points. It'll be interesting to see how these, uh, the, the, you know, all the little, the little parrot minions uh, keep up. Well, uh, and the other question I ask is why? I mean, obviously, immigration is a is probably the top uh, issue going into 2024. I mean, the economy's up there, too. I mean, it's always a top issue. So I guess we could kind of like default economy as the number one issue because it impacts every single American. But immigration, according to Gallup, Gallup's latest poll, uh, immigration overtook government. Government was the prior top issue as biggest problems. Okay. well, so so. You know, obviously, we had the bill last month that did not pass that had, you know, 14 billion to do nothing to secure the uh, border, but only make it more streamlined for them to get into the country and get to where they needed to go. Mainly these blue sanctuary cities where they're going to be registered to vote, because like I showed you guys yesterday, uh, they can't show share immigration status with uh, state agencies can't ask immigration status. And so if they can't ask it, then Eric can't ask it and they can't send it to Eric. And so, yeah, it's just a whole uh, laundering of voters operation. But before they start touting for their next immigration bill, which is going to come very soon, uh, I I just want to remind you guys of this. And and I caught this clip from uh, from um, uh, the the guys on uh, DPH last night. And this is the most important clip because you have to ask yourself the question at the end of this clip. But here you go. And I'd like to understand from you what Trump era immigration policies have been banned, ended, reversed, and if any investigations are underway by you. 
Uh, so we have rescinded so many uh, Trump immigration policies. It would take so much time to list them. Um, and I'd like to understand. So, I mean, there you have it. Like, so when was that? We, that that was uh, 2021. I love it. So yeah, delicious. Absolutely. And so, so before any additional funding goes to the border, the question first has to be asked, have you re-implemented any of these policies? Okay. Mainly the, the migration protocol, protection protocol, the, the uh, Remain in Mexico, Mexico policy. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the official name is Migration Protection Protocol, I think. Whatever it is, the Remain in Mexico plan. That's the big one. Because not, you know, not only does that alleviate the stress of the United States of having to keep all these people here while their their uh, asylum is pending. It also doesn't give them incentive to come over here because they know that they're going to be kind of in a in a, uh, you know, a catch 22 situation where they're going to be waiting in another country for 10 a decade at this point. I think that's what we're at now, like a, dec a decade. These people are going to be waiting. And so it's really interesting to see this flip. I think it's a money grab. I think it's also trying to save face for the election, but whatever, keep your eyes out. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm excited about it. I, I love it when they change their narratives and become complete hypocrites again, uh, yeah. because we can we can continue to point that out to them and put it right up in front of their faces, uh, the level of hypocrisy. And they usually don't see it. It's that old West world that doesn't look like anything to me. <laughs> um, I was having a and a debate through text messages last night with um, one of my local Colorado peer journalists who, uh, you know, we're have a, I have a very respectful relationship with, but we disagree about pretty much everything. And we we're arguing about the 14th Amendment trial. And he, the, the argument of this person is basically all nine justices are wrong and don't understand <laughs> the Constitution, as well as my selected academic who, you know, wrote a, an Amici and in the case. And it is, it is there's a there's a solid level of mental illness going on with the inability to recognize the hypocrisy, recognize the asymmetry. And liberals are generally people who historically have pretended to value liberty, right? To 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 want to protect liberty, to want to make sure that we pr secure our freedoms for for all the people. And that goes out the window when it comes to Trump. That is one of the best hypocrisies to shine the mirror up for them and just say, look, let's say Trump gets back in office. And when Trump gets back in office, he decides that an insurrection, he declares that an insurrection happens on November 3rd. There's no due process. There's no, uh, there's maybe a congressional uh, inquiry with a report that comes out of it. And that's declared to be the insurrection, no additional due process. And then they start down in the states impacting people. Would you support that? Of course you would not support that, but that's exactly what's happening right now to President Trump and MAGA, and you're fine with it because it's your political opponents. It's gross a level of hypocrisy, especially for you know journalists and people who pro proclaim to love freedom. And I think you need to continue. We need to continue putting that mirror in their faces and saying, "Look at what look at what a big hypocrite you are." You're not liberal at all. You're very authoritarian. This is kind of gross. This goes against everything that you believe in. My other favorite thing is to diagnose people while they're arguing with me. That really pisses <laughs> them off. It really pisses them off. Well, just save that uh, the AP uh, article yesterday saying that they're recommending the next wave of COVID-19 boosters. And I, I think what they really meant was the Trump derangement syndrome boosters, because that is a, a far more uh, problematic pandemic in this country than COVID ever actually was mm -hmm. all right let's um go ahead and hit our next sponsor we're going to start shifting into some uh court uh issues that are going on 
And uh, next up, this time, this time, we do have the wellness company. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, life is unpredictable. If we've learned anything in the last four years, it's exactly that. And while we can't possibly predict everything that might be thrown at us, we can prepare for it. Introducing two new emergency kits from the wellness company. The first aid emergency kit is everything from sports activity to camping trips. Compact and convenient, this kit, kit contains critical prescription medications and supplies that everyone should have on hand. The travel emergency kit is specially designed for life on the go. Compact, lightweight, and loaded with essentials for any adventure, whether it's a road trip, a hike, or just unpredictable uh, daily life, you will be ready. The next level readiness is at your fingertips with emergency, emergency kits from the wellness company. Stay one step ahead to have peace of mind for the unpredictable. Visit badlandsmedia.twc and use promo code badlands for an exclusive 10% discount. Again, that's badlandsmedia.tv slash twc and save 10% promo code badlands. You crushed it. That was like less than two seconds over the video. Oh, I was I I actually the last part I was was uh improv. So I was So watching. you nailed it on the yeah, video timing. Well done. Story. I just didn't want dead air. So I'll repeat the, the the code again, you know? So all right. Uh this is from the Federalist here. Lawsuit. Joe Biden campaign broke the law by not reporting collusion with Intel officials to discredit laptop story. This is coming from America First Legal, right. Stephen Miller, who is doing some incredible work. The problem is it's <laughs> they're suing so many people and corporations that like it's going to be impossible to keep up with them all. You know, like I w when they announce it, I usually keep up with it, but then it usually, you know, kind of takes forever to develop. So you lose you lose it, it back of mind. Right. It. it, it kind of disappears from your memory. The attempt by former Intel officials to discredit reporting about Hunter Biden's laptop ahead of the 2020 election represented a contribution to Joe Biden's presidential campaign that the campaign never reported in violation of federal law, according to a lawsuit filed on Sunday. America First Legal filed the lawsuit against the FEC, the Federal Elections Commission. The suit contends that the letters signed by 51 former Intel agency officials, Intel officials, intelligence officials, was developed to help Joe Biden win the 2020 election, you think, and therefore constituted a contribution to the Democrat presidential candidate candidate's campaign. AFL had previously filed a complaint with the FEC against the Biden's uh, campaign in October for its failure to disclose such alleged contributions to the agency as required by law. The FEC is yet to respond to the complaint, according to the suit. Now, this kind of goes back to Michael Morell, who told House Republicans he was a former deputy director of the CIA. And there were, you know, conversations between him and Blinken where he was saying that uh, back in October of 2020, it says then Biden campaign official and now Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. Anthony, the other day I saw Anthony. It, it's Anthony, not Anthony. But yesterday it was written Anthony and I said Anthony and I corrected myself. I saw to the, I remember you the did reading. And I was like, why did I just correct myself? I was right. It's Anthony. It's not Anthony. Anthony. Anthony, get in here. Anthony, yeah, Long Island like my, mother. My I was about to say my Italian family up in up in the, the Bronx. Uh, well, they don't live there anymore. But quote, on or around October 20, uh, 17th, 2020, then Biden campaign official and now Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, quote, reached out to him to discuss the Hunter Biden laptop story, end quote, which had been published in the New York Post on October 14th. According to Morell, Blinken's outreach, quote, set in motion the events that led to the issuance of the public excuse me, the public statement, end quote, that baselessly asserted 
The laptop was part of Russian disinformation. And of course, uh, it goes on to say that Blinken's, uh, Blinken had said that um, when, when pressed by House investigators, if he had any intent to write the statement prior to Blinken's call, Morell said, quote unquote, he did not, confirming the call, quote unquote, absolutely pushed him to write it. So in other words, what they're saying is Blinken reached out to Morell and said, hey, can you do something to fix this? And Morell said, yeah, sure. Let me write this letter up. And that's an in-kind donation to a campaign. That's a huge, huge, huge violation. So this will be an interesting lawsuit. Now, uh, AFL has also sued the Biden uh, campaign as well, I believe. Um, I think it says here. Yeah, he sued Biden for president, the Biden Victory Fund, the DNC Service Corps, uh, and the Biden Action Fund. Uh, saying that they failed to report their contributions. I don't think he necessarily sued those organizations. So, I mean, Stephen Miller is doing incredible work over there at uh, at, at America First Legal. They went after Target. Uh, they've gone after um, the the J6 information, uh, just doing really awesome work. Who was the guy um, that, that put the letter together? You, you mentioned him, I just forgot. Michael Morell. He was the former... Um, uh, deputy director of the CIA. Yeah, I, I think it's not just an in-kind donation. There's an implied state action. And you, they'll say, oh, well, they're all retired, right? Everybody, everybody involved in this is retired. retired. Well, you, don't, yeah. you don't retire from, from the intelligence community. And right. so it's not, in my view, it's not just a, uh, it's not just an in-kind donation, which is bad enough, right? I mean, that, that is, that, that, that is a crime, um, not reporting in-kind donations. And this, this type of in-kind donation is potentially um, problematic because it's lies, right? Uh, all the classic earmarks of Russian disinformation when at the time they knew that it was not, you know, that the, the, the Biden laptop was real. They'd already had it. The FBI had already had, had already had it for over a year, I believe at the time that that letter came out. And so there is uh, not, you know, the in-kind donation thing is bad. The, what that means and now connecting the whole laptop saga further to Biden, right? Um, and and using using the credibility and brand equity of the intelligence community to lie to the American people about a true story that's much more problematic for the president than uh, the for the so-called ruler of the United States, Scrotus, than um, the the in-kind donation. In my view. Well, and from here, I mean, you're going to start running into issues with with, uh, you know, the social media companies as well. Google, especially. I mean, you know, Dr. Epstein that we've 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 mentioned on this show uh, several times. Um, I mean, he's he's got significant evidence that Google, you know, obviously censored content and created these ephemeral experiences for liberals. Uh, favoring one party. I think he has the numbers, you know, he's, he's published numbers before. So, I mean, you, you'd see something like that too. I mean, the, the influence that Google could have on an election is, is it's, it's, you cannot, you cannot quantify it. That's how big it is. And, uh, you know, so maybe this is just one step towards accountability for these, uh, organizations and corporations that act as, um, you know, peddlers of, election information or censorship or whatever it may be and doing it as an uh, an election donation you know an in-kind donation like that 
clearly with an agenda. I mean, we know that's what they would have to establish. They would have to establish that Google had an agenda in doing this. And I mean, we know through emails and messages that have been, uh, you know, obtained, I don't know how they were obtained, but uh, that there were people at Google that were saying, we will ensure that, that this doesn't happen. You know, there's no way that he can win. We can't allow him to win, you know, those types of things. And you, you, I mean, you can't come back from that. When you do one thing and you have the motive, yeah, good. So I think there's a couple of motives, right? And the one that we hear the most about is that the employees at these companies, these tech companies are super liberal. And so they're pushing their own, uh, you know, agenda through using the company to push their own agenda. The more realistic uh, motive that I think is is in the run-up to the 2020 election, the debates about Section 230 and putting restrictions on technology companies were ubiquitous. Everybody was concerned about it. Everybody was talking about it. And Google has a vested interest in going the other direction with Joe Biden. You'll notice that we don't hear those arguments anymore now that Joe Biden is president and the the level of scrutiny and pressure that the technology companies were receiving under President Trump seems to has have lessened. Now, the the, the pro- additional problem for them is not just there's there's the, you know, suppressing the laptop and the in-kind donation thing. But when you add to that all of the censorship industrial complex that that then led to the actual suppression of people's First Amendment rights, the actual suppression of the truth and people losing their accounts, getting banned, all of the things that happened happened, um, you, America First Legal can probably make the case that that's a chain reaction stemming back to that letter. That letter yeah. gave the credibility to censor the laptop and all of us by extension. And it was, as you said, an in-kind donation. It's also, um, I think, prima facie corruption. 100%. 100%. I, I was just thinking long-term how it could expand beyond this and maybe put some regulations on on how these tech companies are allowed to interfere in our elections but the the focal point of this would goes back to what morell and blinken did and uh yeah spot on um this is something we got a we got a lot of legal stuff to talk about today this is something that uh ivan uh raiklin has been talking about for quite some time now uh in terms of the uh certifying of the electoral count but this is unrelated, but the same concept and landmark victory for Texas AG Ken Paxton as court strikes down $1.7 trillion spending bill as unconstitutional. Now, of course, this is absolutely going to be appealed, but it says Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton has secured a victory against the Biden regime as a federal judge deemed the $1.7 trillion spending bill passed by the Democrats at the end of the 2022 is unconstitutional. The omnibus bill signed by Biden in 2022 amid a family vacation in St. Croix and flown to the location to meet a December 30th deadline earmarked $45 billion for Ukraine, among other contentious allocations. These include the passage of the Electoral Count Act, $2.6 billion towards January 6th investigations, nearly $600 million for the EPA, and $11 million targeting gun owners. Notably, the bill lacked funding for border security, a critical point of contention. Uh, AG Ken Paxton filed his lawsuit in early 2023, challenging the implementation of the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2023, bringing into question uh, the constitutionality of the House's quorum during its passage. The bill was passed with less than half of Congress physically present. Now, the bill, the the, the suit that that Paxton brought is not going to rescind the whole bill. It's only going to focus on uh, two parts. It says, Although Texas seeks to only block two provisions, its legal claim is that the act is invalid because the House of Representatives allegedly did not have a quorum 
when it passed the act. So in other words, quorum, more than half the people there or um, a majority of the people there. But wouldn't wouldn't that if that's if that's true and that's the basis, wouldn't that invalidate the entire act and not just the two parts? Yes. But well, so so the relief, the relief is those two parts, because that's what that's the only thing he could bring to the court in order to have standing because he was able to show that those two uh, particular acts directly, you know, impacted Texas. That opens the door if if this goes to appeals and eventually maybe to the Supreme Court, because it is a constitutional uh, issue here. Um, perhaps then more people will bring suits about everything else. But the, the, the thing is, this is hindsight. We're talking years down the road for this to happen. And, and the damage has been done from 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 that already. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I mean, that's 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 the problem with, um, you know, relying upon the courts to to you know to to settle legislative disputes is that the courts are notoriously slow it could be year so this case the type of suit this is is i would say definitely supreme court bound right yeah yeah. and so um that can take years so we could be looking at a couple of years before we get a hearing on this and you're right the we're going to have a presidential election um now there could be you know some sort of emergency motion or emergency writ filed in this to say hey the electoral count act needs to be invalidated because it was passed unlawfully and it impacts the upcoming presidential election that might be a way to get this heard more quickly um i don't know i haven't read the filing so i don't know what the argument is inside of it but um i am a huge fan of ag paxton i um i've met him i've broken bread with him uh, i find him to be a honest broker who is trying to fight to protect and preserve, protect and defend the constitution in his state of Texas. And he's facing unreal opposition to that. And he continues to fight and he continues. So um, I'm a, I'm I'm a big fan and um, I, uh, I look forward to following this case and seeing where it's going. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I want to, um, I want to read on from this because there's there's some key parts about the Constitution in there. But um, where, where was I going with this? Oh, the Electoral Act, Count Act. Uh, you know that that that's something that I would imagine a candidate would have to bring a lawsuit to try and stay that to you know to try and uh, uh, get an injunction against that. Um, but again, it'd be kind of pointless because the Democrats told us that everything in the Electoral Count Act. Pence didn't have the authority to do anyways, but they just had to put it into law after the fact anyways, even though he didn't have the authority. A little tongue in cheek there, guys. All right. Reading on, it says, quote, for over 235 years, Congress understood the Constitution's quorum clause to require a majority of members of the House or Senate to be physically present to constitute the necessary quorum to pass legislation. But despite the Constitution's text and centuries of consistent practice, the House in 2020 created a rule that permitted non-present members to be included in the quorum count and vote by proxy. Texas asserts that this provision is unenforceable against it, meaning, uh, you know, the the laws, because it violated the Constitution in passing the law and because the House only had a quorum due to the unconstitutional provision of its proxy rule, the House violated the quorum clause when it passed the Consolidated Appropriations Act. So in other words, you can't vote in proxy. The Constitution, he says, is clear that you have to be physically present in order to vote. And this would open the door to a lot of litigation for, uh, you know, anything that was passed uh, during during the the, the oh so deadly pandemic, uh, because 
most of that was done without a quorum. If there's if there if if you can't vote by proxy, if that's not considered a quorum, then uh, they didn't have a they didn't have a quorum. I completely agree with it. I think it's a stretch because uh, as much as we think that believe no, no, as much as we know that the pandemic was planned, that it was deployed in an effort to uh, you know suppress the population and and steal an election and reshape the world and bring about the great reset to the new world order COVID-19 and the great reset book written by Klaus Schwab. Um, even though we know that the mainstream narrative and the courts have repeatedly upheld that COVID provided uh, extraordinary circumstances and the courts have given governments already a lot of leeway as it pertains to actions that they took during the pandemic. Um, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Hopefully by the time it does get heard, we'll have more information about the pandemic because there's a lot of those suits and and threads happening as well. We've got reruns on everything yeah. right now. Wow. It's kind of crazy. Uh, I just refer back to Benjamin Franklin. He who would give up a little bit of liberty for a little bit of security deserves neither. Um, and and I think you're right, Ash, and that's unfortunate that I do think that if this makes it to the Supreme Court, they will favor with the Congress saying that they were allowed to pass that bill and that it was justified because of the because of the pandemic and what was going on. But it shouldn't be. And that's the problem. It shouldn't be right. You're muted. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I, think, yeah. I don't think they should be able to vote by proxy, but I, I do believe that the courts will uphold that it was extraordinary circumstances. So the proxy votes were OK. I think you're right. Yep. From CNN, Illinois judge removes Trump from ballot because of insurrection ban. Here we go again. An Illinois judge has removed former President Donald Trump from the state's ballot based on the 14th Amendment so-called insurrectionist ban. The decision is paused, giving Trump a short period of time to appeal. Wednesday's unexpected decision comes as a similar Trump challenge from Colorado is pending before the Supreme Court, which is widely expected to reject arguments that Trump is barred from office. Cook County judge Excuse me. Tracy Porter heavily relied on the ruling on the prior finding by the Colorado Supreme Court calling calling Colorado's rationale compelling. Quote, the court also realizes the magnitude of this decision and its impact on upcoming primary Illinois elections. Porter wrote the Illinois State Board of Elections shall remove Donald J. Trump from the ballot for the general primary election on March 9th, 2024, or cause any votes cast for him to be suppressed. Uh, if these people are doing this in the name of well let me let me read on because there is more to it's this stayed. I forgot. yeah yeah it says the illinois challenge was filed by a group of voters in coordination with free speech for people i'm gonna just let that set, settle for a yeah second. i mean i don't i don't know that the audience understands the significance of that but uh they will uh, in july in mid-july you will understand the significance of uh free speech for people well, yeah, there's there's kind of a, a, a double meaning there. Uh, so, yes, in that regard as well. But um, just the fact that they're named free speech for people and they're oh, they're yeah. suing to keep a candidate off of the ballot where people can elect their quote unquote elect their elected leaders. Yeah, they also have lawsuits to place uh, content based restrictions upon the First Amendment. Yep. Uh, it says they filed a legal ag uh, their illegal advocacy group that previously tried but failed to remove Trump in, from the ballot in Michigan, Minnesota, and Oregon. Porter had previously declined Trump's request to pause the proceedings until the U.S. Supreme Court rules on the case, rules on the similar Colorado-based challenge that barred him from the ballot in that state. The, these are, at, at this point now, these judges 
they've got to just be looking for their moment in the in the spotlight like they've got to be looking for the democrat tds trump derangement rhino never trumpers to just give them accolades for like two seconds and be like you're so great i'll remember this in five years when i'm appointing you know a federal uh appeals judge or a supreme court justice or whatever it may be because there's no way in hell that a judge is going to look at what colorado went through and then what went on at the supreme court and be like yeah colorado was right here the supreme court's wrong it's it's absurd yeah all nine justices are wrong in how they and how they're interpreting the Constitution. Um, it's very it, it's very silly. Uh, the state election board in this case voted unanimously to put him on the ballot, not not to remove him from the ballot. And then you've got, you know, a handful of voters and an activist judge who say, nope, we're doing it anyway. But the ruling is stayed until the um, the Supreme Court rules on the Colorado case. If they ruled that Colorado Supreme Court did not err and can remove President Trump from the ballot, just recognize everybody that we are going to see that happen in a lot of places. The, if the, I, I don't think there's any universe in which that happens based on the evidence, the arguments and what we saw in the Supreme Court. But if it does, uh, then the summer should be very interesting as states all over the place start removing him from the ballot likely after their primaries at least a lot of them when does that barack obama movie come out which one i, I don't know do i have to start tracking barack obama, obama movie production yeah, schedule isn't, isn't civil war coming out in like july oh yeah civil war i actually think that looks pretty good i also thought leave oh, the world yeah, behind was good sure. it was it was commie propaganda but it was a good film it was entertaining uh, i i thought leave the world behind was very good it, it was a yeah, little that's what I'm slow to develop but and they used a lot of little marxist cultural marxist little innuendo in it but overall i thought it was a very good movie uh and i think civil war will probably be an entertaining movie for most people but it's narrative seating it's 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 predictive programming it's and that's the scary thing is people are going to watch it and think like oh this is good and then it's always in your mind you've planted yeah. the seed and uh that's what i look there's I'm confident that we don't have to, we will never have to have this discussion because I'm confident that it's going to come back 9 0. Yeah, but me too, or 8 1, right? Uh, with Sotomayor dissenting, I, I think is, is also a possibility. In terms of what you said, you know, it's narrative seeding. This movie is, you know, going to, it's, it's predictive programming, it's propaganda. Yeah, it all is. So, I, I mean, I don't think the fact that Obama is the one developing the film changes the fact that the majority of films that are put before us are propaganda and, and predictive programming. Um, and let's, let's, you know, let's be honest, Obama, Obama, after leave the world behind, Obama can make a good film. It was an entertaining film. The obey NASA thing was a little on the nose. And, uh, it was a, there was a really good cell phone in there in terms of white leftist women or racist cancer. Yeah. I mean, we all know that. Um, so, you know, they the think he was trying to make the point that all white people, it's like, no, that Julia Roberts character, that is a white leftist Karen. And yeah, they are, they are a cancer upon the earth. Uh, I, was, you know, so yeah, that was actually that's a great point. Like they did no justice or, or no favors to the white leftist virtue signaling Karens because yeah. that's exactly what she was. Nobody looked at Julia Roberts and thought like that's that's a, a MAGA All white Trump people. supporter, <laughs> right? Right, and, and that's the other thing. Every every single well, so here's the thing: is 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 I and I don't know. I'm just speaking like what could possibly have happened. Uh, but you could have had black families that were watching that and being like, "Yep, that's that's them them the white women." Yeah. And then you have white women that are like, "That ain't none of us," you know, like. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like, 
No, but uh, we all know that woman. We all know right. a woman exactly. like Julia Roberts' character. It's the white leftist Karen. And and the best part of it was like they really fully developed that character because her husband is like an emasculated kind of peacemaker type who's just trying to keep his wife happy and not come off as too racist. Right. And like that is very it's very realistic <laughs> among the white leftist community of both Karen's and their emasculated husbands. Well, we'll have to do a show on uh, Civil War when that comes out. But For all sure, right, let's keep, let's keep moving on here. From CBS News, judge declines to pause Trump's $454 million fraud penalty but halts some sanctions. This is kind of a segue into the next story I want to talk about. But a New York appellate judge on Wednesday refused to halt collection of his $454 million civil fraud penalty while he appeals, rejecting the former president's request that he be allowed to post a bond covering just a fraction of what he owes. The Trump's uh, Trump's lawyer told the appellate court earlier Wednesday that Trump was prepared to post a hundred million dollar bond, arguing that the lending ban in the February 16th verdict made it impossible for him to secure a bond for the full amount. Trump's lawyers floated the smaller bond offer in court papers as they sought an order from the appellate court. Uh, Judge Singh rules ruled that Trump needs to post the full amount, which would pause collection automatically. Now, the fact that that he's restricted from being able to obtain a bond for the full amount because of the lending. I mean, they literally used a ruling that's weaponized against him to weaponize against him from being able to appeal that same ruling. Like there's, you know, on one hand they're saying you can't go out there and get more money in, in New York state, but at the same time you have to come up with $454 million or Letitia James is going to come in and seize your property. That's the all, that's the whole goal. Like that is going to be like the, that's the mug shot. That's Letitia James's mugshot for Fannie Willis is is seizing his properties, being able yeah. to put like they'll have they, dude, they're going to be like they'll have like their golden uh, construction hats, hard hats, and they'll have like the tape rolled out across it. And Letitia will have the big scissors and she'll cut it and be like, this is now New York State property. Like that's going to be the whole goal. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> the money, the I think this is going to boomerang so hard. Hell so, yes. um, with, with the money, he should pay it. He should pay it and go to the appellate court, get it all overturned, get the money back with interest. And those guys get disbarred and that judge gets tossed off, tossed off the bench because what happened in this case is a, um, materially prejudicial abuse of judicial discretion. The judge allowed the most liberal reading of everything to the material prejudice of President Trump because he hates President Trump and he's going to get him. That you can't use the courts for that, guys. That's that's a pretty big deal. And so you can they can get away with that in the district court. They might even get away with it in the appellate court, depending on the jurisdiction. They won't get away with it above that. And so um, I think it's good to get all this back and forth and not allow him to access appellate. Uh, action not let allow him to access the appellate review of this case until he pays that's uh that's that that's pretty authoritarian it's probably an eighth um, amendment violation right mm -hmm. yep and so um i i think that you know allow get all this stuff on the record get all of her tweets with all the interest and all the things get it all on the record because it's only proving the abuse of process malicious prosecution and uh abuse of ju uh, of um judicial discretion that's all happening with everything that they're doing in this case. That's going to be an awesome boomerang. Yep. All right, let's jump into this story talking about boomerangs. It's going to come back on New York from the Wall Street Journal. New York Attorney General sues Meatpacker 
JBS over climate claims. New York's Attorney General Letitia James filed a lawsuit Wednesday against the Brazilian Giants' U.S. division saying that JBS misled consumers with its climate goals, including its plan to reach net zero carbon emissions by 2040 to boost sales. If found liable, the company could be fined $5,000 per violation and required to pay back any profits made from past sustainability claims uh, found to be false. JBS is one of the top meat suppliers in the U.S. with capacity to process more than 200,000 cattle, 500,000 hogs, and 45 million chickens per week. About half of the company's nearly $80 billion in annual revenue comes from its U.S. operations, which are based in Colorado. The company began, a fa- began as a family-owned slaughterhouse in the Brazilian countryside, but it has invested billions of dollars to acquire meat companies in the U.S. and elsewhere over the past two decades, including beef processor Swift Foods and a majority stake in the second largest U.S. chicken producer, Pilgrim's Pride. Now, let's stop right there for just a second. Why is a Brazilian company, like, I, this is something that we went so wrong on, that a foreign country is able to come in, a foreign company based in a foreign country is able to come in and become the number two uh, producer of of beef, pork, and chicken in the United States. Globalism. That, that, yeah, that's not a that's not a smart thing to do. <laughs> I mean, this is why when people say like, "Oh, we're going to go to war with China," why the hell would we go to war with China? If we go to war with China, they lose 330 million people buying their products. If if China goes to war with us, we lose all of their products. Like it makes zero sense. But in this case, you know, what they're able to do is, you know, you curtail some of the supply chains or, you know, whatever it may be. And I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a good idea to me. No, it's a terrible idea. And I've said it a hundred million times on this, and I'm being hyperbolic. Don't fact check me. I haven't said it a hundred million times. But the 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 globalism has objectively failed by all metrics. COVID yep. proved that supply chains failed. Yep. Uh, the the interrelated nature of global business failed the the consumers during COVID. Now a lot of companies made a ton of money during COVID. Um, you know, there, there's the tech companies some, are laying people. Some of that off. stuff should be looked into because. Especially the insider trading that happened in the U.S. Uh, federal uh, government buildings, you know, during during the time of the pandemic. But this is um, globalism is a a uh, you know it's the approach to bring about the new world order. It is the approach to centralize all of the power and all of the resources away from the people, as far away from the people as possible. They want to put this in Brussels. They want decisions made in Brussels to impact the lives of American farmers and meat producers and all of that kind of stuff. They want their global world, their global interrelated world where everything is equitable and the sun is shining with rainbows and there's no climate change because, you know, we've killed 80% of the people and banned fossil fuels. So, you know, world saved. Yay. And utopia. That's what they're that's the message that they're spreading. That's what that that's what the regime has convinced really useful idiots that they're trying to build. But when you look at the data like this story, again, like you just said, why is a Brazilian company the second largest U.S. chicken provider when we have the farmland that we do? Bingo. Yep. Uh, Globalism is the answer. And globalism, the, the, the people who have lost in globalism the most are the American people 
and I would I would say up there as well, maybe even surpassing us a little bit, is the uh, third world countries where you know, we're strip mining and using child labor and all of the despicable practices that they keep out of the West's sight line because they don't want the hypocrisy front and center. But, you know, saving the planet by strip mining the earth, that's a another brilliant, uh, br- br- you know, brilliant um, project brought to you by globalists. Yep. Uh, real quick, uh, El Quadis in the uh, chat talking about this plant or this uh you know by them uh can you just let me know the state you live in because i it's gonna impact how i report the next part of this real quick uh the lawsuit filed on wednesday alleges that jbs's net zero commitment isn't attainable because of the amount of carbon emissions that come from beef production including methane produced by the animals the suit says the company's alleged alleged links to deforestation exacerbate the issue by reducing a source of nature that sucks the gas from the atmosphere uh the state's lawsuit cites claims made by JBS executives as far back as 2015, as well as the company's net zero commitment listed on its own website this year. The New York Attorney General alleged the company violated state law that protects consumers from fraud. Okay, so Aquatis is in PA. So that kind of hampers this argument a little bit here, but I I started looking at the, uh, the website for JBS and their United States operation, number two beef uh, producer, number two pork, number two poultry, uh, 66,000 team members. But here's the thing. Like, if you look at their locations in, in, in America, you got Greeley, Colorado, Greeley, Colorado. It's all in Greeley, Colorado. Now, I'm sure they have plants elsewhere. But, like, wh- where is Letitia James getting the authority to go after this company that's in Colorado, that's based in Colorado? I, it, this is my, my I don't know if because they're traded on the New York Stock Exchange, if that somehow enables her to be able to go after corporations. You're muted. You're muted. What does the article say? Does it say anything about what the- it, it doesn't say anything about hmm. like how she's able to go after them? Because it doesn't appear that they're they're not based in New York. They might have a, a factory in New York, but they're not incorporated in New York. And so where is she coming off going? I mean, you would only be able to go after that factory. I don't know. I, that depends. It depends on what laws we're talking about and what, you know, what what's being alleged um, against those laws. Right. Because if they are a Colorado based company, but they have fact, you know, plants, factories Maybe. all over, including in New York, then there is, you know, if, if, if like, what is she alleging? Is there are there conspiracy charges? Because that could pull in the entire company. Well, n- no. So what she's alleging is that they defrauded New Yorkers. So which in that sense, you know, technically that's her duty to protect New Yorkers. So, um, and that, and that changes everything, you know, what we've been talking about, about why would you get out of New York, you know, get out of New York, but that changes it now to not just get out of New York. Don't do business with New York. You know, like when you read abundantly clear after the, the anger on thing, you know, when you read like, especially with CBD and you're like not available in Idaho, South Dakota or whatever, that's because they don't want to do business in those places because there's a law there that you know affects how they can do business. Well, this is the same case right here. You have her going after uh, you know this JBS company. Now, El Quadi says that they're they're not very clean and all that stuff. Okay, fair enough. But 
that would be on local regulators to go after those individual buildings over that specific issue. This is going after them for not meeting climate change goals, for not meeting their net zero carbon bullshit. And so, I, look, folks, man, I, I can't tell you how to do business, but I would not be anywhere near New York either living or shipping to them or whatever you want to call it. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, unpopular opinion, but if we're talking about the second largest producer of pork, second largest producer of beef, et cetera, um, then those products are definitely going to New Yorkers. So she probably does have standing. Um, I, I mean, I think that's that penal I think penalizing business for climate targets is really stupid, particularly when the rest of the the world can't cannot keep pace with the level of climate accommodations that U.S. businesses have made. Um, this is a big a big part of the problem is that the U.S. is carrying a lot of that load, and then you have people like China and India um, that are you know massive polluters and still considered emerging economies, so they can't be held accountable. Meanwhile, you know our chicken producers are being sued <laughs> uh, for not being green enough. It's pretty dumb. I can't believe that. All right, let's go ahead and jump into our uh, final sponsor, of the program. And uh, I know we both appreciate this. We've got Angel Paste. Attention all proud patriots of the USA. Are you ready to elevate your skincare routine to new heights of natural luxury? Introducing our premium sweet orange infused angel paste, meticulously crafted with only the finest food grade plant oils for your indulgence. Picture this, the vibrant scent of ripe oranges invigorating your senses with every application while nutrient rich oils deeply nourish and hydrate your skin. But what sets this version of angel paste apart? is our secret weapon, sweet orange essential oil loaded with vitamin C, a powerful detoxifier known to revitalize and brighten your skin. Angel Paste is made with love and dedication in Spring, Texas. It embodies the essence of American quality and purity. It's not just about the luxurious experience. It's about embracing the spirit of wellness and natural living. With each pump, you're not just treating your skin. You're making a statement, a statement of allegiance to the land of the free and the home of the brave. Angel Paste embodies the values of freedom, purity, and excellence that define the American spirit. Join the ranks of those who demand the best for their skin and their country. Elevate your skincare routine with our sweet orange essential oil infused angel paste where natural ingredients meet American pride. Because in America, we believe in nothing less than the best. Go to badlandsmedia.tv slash angel paste. And don't forget to use promo code badlands to pry a dollar from Patrick's hands. That's badlandsmedia.tv slash angel paste promo code badlands and your skin will drink it up. All right. Is it just me or like when you see a a product that is like associated with your state, you, you get like pride. Like when I see oranges, I'm like, I'm I'm from Florida. I love oranges and I'm proud. So like if you're from like New Hampshire and you see a nice granite countertop, are you like, oh, that probably came from New Hampshire and that's glorious. And that's the only uh, Georgia with a peach. Like you see Georgia and the peach. I don't know. Okay. I'm yeah. Stupid. I love peaches. Colorado and reason. snow. Colorado and you see snow in Colorado, and you're like, actually, yeah. Colorado, big uh, producer of peaches as well on the western Are slope. You? Palisade peaches, really? yes, sir. Really interesting. All right, mm -hmm. well, let's jump into this article here. We played clips from yesterday of the Biden Seth Meyers interview. It bombed. 
President Joe Biden's appearance late night with Seth Meyers did not perform as well as he might have hoped. Biden appeared on the talk show hoping to draw up support. The attempt struggled to land, however, especially among the critical 25 to 54 age demographic. The interview brought in the, an average of 852,000 viewers and just 181,000 that demographic. The figure is 32% less than the same day the year prior. And just a spoiler alert, Joe Biden wasn't on the same day a year prior. You would think the quote unquote president of the United States would bring a good crowd. Goes on to say Biden has made a strategy to, to connect with voters through talks with entertainment figures and comedians rather than press interviews. Critics suspect that the strategy is a purposeful one aimed at hard hitting questions as entertainers are unlikely to confront him with administration problems in an uncomfortable manner. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I, I'm I'm laughing at the word strategy as though Biden has any sort of campaign strategy. Uh, I, I it, we're watching a show when it comes to this demented old fool. Yes, All and right, Seth Meyers has never been funny. No, never, ever, not not even once. I didn't even know who he was until just recently. Um, <laughs> I, I he was on Saturday Night Live for a while, so I'm I know who he who he is, but his uh, I, not funny. He That's was always in Jimmy Fallon's shadow, the way that I see it. Like Jimmy Fallon was on the show, and he was funny, and Seth Meyers was like the adjunct person that they gave lines to, but he was never funny. And then somehow he got a late night show that apparently nobody watches. So did he have anything to do with Family Guy? That's I Seth MacFarlane, not Seth, Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, I know Seth MacFarlane, but I I, I see. I see Seth Meyers' name somewhere in the credits for a show that I watched, and I can't think of what it is because it's so underwhelmingly memorable um, because his name was probably associated with it. All right, uh, two more stories. The next one's going to be a little long because we're going to cover the text messages. AP, Biden continues to be fit for duty, his doctor says, after president undergoes annual physical. I'm literally not going to click anything into that story because oh, it's I, I I did a whole thread yesterday i'll tell you guys i'll give it to you real quick he has afib he takes eloquis for it he has um heart he still has cholesterol issues he's on crestor for that he takes two over-the-counter allergy medicines for his allergy his seasonal allergies um and then he's on a cpap machine and a um physical therapy biggest part of this report was about his gait uh, the fact that he has trouble walking and um, is constantly falling down. Um, they're blaming that on a broken foot and the fact that he has sensory peripheral neuropathy in his feet. So they're really building up that, you know, he's not he's not a stumbly wumbly. He just has all of the characteristics, all the classic earmarks of being a stumbly wumbly. <laughs> and so um, but they're really you know, th that is that is the takeaway. Also, several areas of liver spots. <laughs> what confirmed about this? in the report. How about the stretchy neck that doesn't go back down like you're addressed? No, that wasn't addressed. All right. So nothing about his cognitive ability because they left that out of the test. How yeah. convenient, right? The one thing that everybody's concerned about, the fact that the guy keeps seeing dead elected leaders or world leaders on stage and talking to them about things that happened long after they died. Uh, no concern in that. So. All right. Uh, the next thing we're going to cover, this will be the last thing for the day. We're going to go through these uh, text messages just a little bit here. We're not going to go too crazy. Uh, tomorrow we will be, it's at one, right? Tomorrow. That's what they said at the end of the hearing is one. Well, we'll confirm if they schedule it. You know, sometimes scheduling stuff happens and it changes. So, uh, but we're expecting it's at one Eastern time. Okay. 
So tomorrow after Badlands Daily with with uh, we'll have Chris Paul on tomorrow. And then from there, we'll take like a quick little break, grab some lunch, some good eats, and then we'll nestle in and and watch another days so of our lives as the at like sands through the hourglass so are the days of our lives so we were speculating before that the judge and that this came up in the last hearing that the judge may reopen evidence to hear from the investigator who did the analysis of the cell data based on the text messages i don't think the judge is going to require that to come to a decision I, yeah i don't think so either <laughs> all right so we'll start off here with uh page two um where, uh, you know, they're basically saying, uh, if I subpoena this guy, this guy, Chris, I don't know who that Chris is. Um, Chris Campbell, uh, Bradley's business partner. Yeah, Speculating, but that's the most likely Chris is the, the Chris Campbell was Bradley and Wade's business partner at the time. So it's likely mm -hmm. that she is uh, at the time, time period in question. So it's likely that Miss Merchant is referring to Chris Campbell. Okay. Well, she Ashley asked if uh, if Chris was asked under oath, would he know? Terrence Bradley said no. She said, "Wow, I figured he would. I didn't expect them to be so careful." And then he says he knows, but he won't admit it. Which I mean, if you're subpoenaed and you're under oath, you know that's that's not a good that's not a good look. Um, she she offered him a gig as a program director for this GACDL seminars, which I thought was like trying to i mean like you're like you're handling a an intelligence asset you know you're trying to kind of coax them a little bit like hey we'll be friends you want to hang out at the gacdl seminar i'll make you the program director you know i'm the so, president next year and i want to get you more involved and he says i'm interested let's chat i but, think they were friends though here's the thing friends? she she worked for the nathan wade campaign she right. was a part of that group for a period of time and now fast forward to 2023 she you know is at odds with them and she's representing michael roman as a defendant and and she's bringing this case he's helping her i think they were friends and what's really interesting is when did that change and it mm. changes with gabe banks well, it's really interesting because she talks to him like like they're friends and he does not at all. But he's very candid with her in what he says, but he's very terse and, and, and you know, to the point. Uh, he says, hey, I still want to chat about the GACDL. Are you still interested? Yes, I am. Uh, this March seminar is March 8th through 9th. So they basically she's trying to, you know, kind of sweeten the deal a little bit here. Uh, let's see. What else do I have here? Uh, page four and five. They talk about taking the trips. Uh, some of this uh, they covered last night on DPH. Um, said last trip was this summer, May or June. No, I didn't know. I was gone by then. Uh, doesn't surprise me. They took many trips to Florida, he said. But wait, didn't he testify that he doesn't know of any trips that they take? Didn't he testify that, Ash? Yep. Yeah, he purchased you, you, himself you a lot. More the photographic memory, so I'm I'm deferring to you on that. Yeah, he couldn't recall. He couldn't recall. Right. And you also remember he said he had one conversation with uh, Nathan Wade about his relationship with Fonnie Willis, and it it it's pretty clear that that's not true as well. Right. Yeah. Does it? Uh, they took many trips to Florida. Then he goes on to Texas to California. Uh, when she moved her daughter there, I can't believe they were so carefree. Look how she changed her tone automatically. <laughs> earlier she's like i can't believe they were so careful now she's saying i can't believe they were so carefree yeah. i'm trying to anticipate her response when i blow this up her daughter flunked out of famu and moved to california um go rattlers so uh, and 
but the important thing about this exchange is that Nathan Wade was so close with Fonnie Willis that he was helping her daughter move. Right. Like that was, this is something that you, you know, in a, t- in a totally professional and uh, platonic relationship, this would, this would be sort of surprising, especially because he was married. Right. right? And so um, that's, you know, the, the relationship started in 2020. Right. It goes on when to say that well, she actually says they had a full on relationship. Just insane. Terrence said uh, Bradley said he went to help her. He went to help move her. Why would she hire him is insane. Yes. Just like just don't date like just date. Don't hire him. Do you think it started before she hired him? Absolutely. It started when she left the D.A.'s office. And was a judge in South Fulton. Good. Do you think that that is uh, ambiguous? He's speculating. He has no details about what he's saying. He's just randomly speculating. So, th- and this is what they talked about in that case. Like, Bradley knows that he's talking to an attorney directly involved in this case. He's an attorney himself. What is an attorney? Essentially, they're artists with words. They are, they, they, they use words very deliberately. And, you know, a, a good attorney friend of mine said that when we say something, we just say the common meaning. When they say something, they think about every single possible meaning of that word and how it's placed and everything. So when they, when, when Ashley asked, do you think it started before she hired him? He said, absolutely. Now, the only thing that Bradley might be able to say, and this is going back to the words, is Ashley said, do you think? It started when she hired him. And he'll say, absolutely, that's what I thought. I didn't know that. I was just speculating on that. Yeah, but the next the, the next, the next, text just disputes it because he says, when first said- of all, he doesn't say, I think so. He doesn't say, maybe, could have been. He says, absolutely, and then definitively state when's it, when it states when it started. Fair, but again, I mean, that could have been, you know, a... Uh, what he used as a foundation for his absolutely comment. Sure. But the judge and, has all of this, right? So the right, judge right, is right. reading this in context and it's what, what is, what is the more likely, what is more likely to be true that he was speculating and had no idea what he was talking about or that he was telling the truth and has specific material firsthand knowledge of their affair. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to play the 10th man here. The guy that has to disagree no matter what, and uh and and i think i I mean you're you're exactly right i think it's common freaking sense i'm just trying to kind of put together what what they could say to rebut that Uh, and and he's already said it i was just speculating um it goes on to say they met at the municipal court office was there anything else from there this one the is this accurate starting with is this accurate this is important because this is the motion so there was a lot of questioning about this at the hearing on wednesday on Tuesday, um, about the, the him, about, uh, uh, Bradley reviewing the motion, this motion to bring these allegations against Nathan Wade and Fannie Willis, Ashley Merchant had Mr. Bradley review the motion. Now he said when he reviewed it, his $74,000 contract was not included. And he said to her, Hey, you got to put my contract in there. Cause this isn't accurate. And then she made the edits and he said, looks good to $74,000 contract being included. The text messages tell a different story. I agree. Um, Yeah, and and he goes on at another point. I didn't get there yet, so my brain wasn't functioning on that real quick. Um, 
but he goes on to say i read the whole thing and it looks good and he you know he adds like you said the no notation there um but but no no don't don't go off this page yet because this is really important in terms of his state of mind where he says no municipal court and then she says thank you he says but you can't put where they met not many people know that i might be one of the one i i might be one of only not uh even chris campbell so this is i'm feeding you information but don't reveal me as your source right that's what he's saying here so the idea that he was you know just speculating this and that he was helping her file this motion and when that changed is very interesting yeah so it goes on uh and we're not going to cover it all i'm only going to about page 17 here um uh where else was we at page six uh when yeah will it drop? This, this yeah this is where it's talking about yeah when will it drop and don't worry you're not involved you won't be involved in it at all <laughs> funny how that turned uh he finally it says monday is my filing deadline you won't be involved at all he finally turned over his financial docs which show he paid for his fanny's delta flight it it uh it has her name on it to California Napa vacation, and he paid for Royal Caribbean cruises. The divorce attorney noticed noticed Fanny for a deposition in two weeks, and they have a hearing for the divorce on the 30th. But since the records show her name in the same uh, account he got his Fulton money for, he paid for her trips. It's not looking good for them. I'm still shocked they were so careless. They must think they're beyond the reach of the law. Yeah. Bradley says, damn, what else? He said, she asked, do you even talk to him anymore? Let me think. He had been paid almost a million dollars. Fanny is the one in most trouble. She didn't get county approval to hire him. She is required by statute to do so. I have insider baseball on that one, and that is correct. Uh, that was actually a story that I was supposed to break, but I was holding on to it until this. But yeah, they, she, she had no approval for that. And not only did she not have approval from the board in Fulton County for this, she went back to them and... Uh, asked for four to five million dollars more to prosecute this and when they push back and ask questions she says uh justice what did she say like justice has no price or something like that was her response to the fulton county board uh and this was coming from a source that i have out there so justice has um, no price especially if you're paying in cash exactly especially if it's in cash <laughs> uh fanny is the one blah blah, blah. i'm almost done with my motion where's the next page page seven Oh, yeah, this is the felony thing. I mean, this is crazy. To your knowledge, has Nathan ever prosecuted a felony? I can't find a single one. Never in his life has he prosecuted a felony. And now he's involved in a crazy-ass RICO case that is involving incredibly complicated subjects that and are not president. Right, and, and against a, a former president and a current front-runner. And yeah. again, in elections, which are something that is not typically covered uh, it's not a very heavily litigated, you know, uh, uh, thing. And he has no experience in it, like none. And remember, the other guy was getting paid less money than Wade was. And he's like a bona fide RICO attorney that's done RICO work with Fanny before, apparently. Yeah. Insane. Uh, let's see what else. We Wait, got. hang on. Right there at the top. Send me a rough draft. He asked yes. for it. He, so this came up during the hearing on Tuesday about where to, you know, they, they're trying to say Miss Merchant was harassing you and asking you to, you know, turn on your friend and give her all this information. Text messages tell a different story. He was the one who asked. Uh, I think it was Sadow that actually got that on the record during the hearing. Um, but he was the one that asked for it. He re reviewed it, approved it, 
And then, like I said before, eventually he changed his mind about how he was going to testify in this thing. Well, he never expected, I think, to have to testify. It's clear that he wanted to be kept out of it, but that's not really a realistic ask, particularly right. for an attorney. Yeah, she said, promise not to share it. I don't want it leaked before I file it. I protected you completely, by the way. Not that you needed protection, but I kept you out of it. Let me know your thoughts. Thanks. I appreciate it. I really appreciate you keeping me out of it, but I think you need to add me in to the footnote 15 because I had a contract as well, which is what you were talking about earlier as well. That way it doesn't seem like I was involved. What? Yeah. So you need to call. This is like in if they're, you know, doing a drug bust and they have undercover people, they arrest them, too. Right. Because you don't want to burn those sources as undercover. This is you got to add me in because if I'm not there, it's going to look like I'm helping you and we can't have right. that. Right. So she adds him back in. Uh, he says, did you look at campaign contributions? I can't remember what we gave her. I don't. Has anybody disclosed that yet? How much their firm gave Fanny when she was running? I don't know, but I'm definitely going to look it up after this. Yeah. Show. Yeah. Me too. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. As well. Uh, and, and I went through because I was looking through her stuff before to see if she pulled money out of her campaign, which she did not do. It doesn't appear that she did. It appears she pulled money out of her personal account put it in the campaign and in the process of going from personal to the campaign, she took some out. That's not illegal uh, for herself. That's not illegal. If it was the other way around, you took it out of your campaign and put it back into your personal. That's illegal. Yeah. Um, and now we talk about this Sonia Allen. Uh, she says in Sonia Allen now, how will they react to this? Give me the stupid, no fear or favor speech. Uh, that's another conversation. Sonia Allen, they will deny it. She said, no way. They won't attack you. Uh, the next part that gets interesting is, uh, let's see, for me at least, was page 17, I believe. I think it was page 17. Yes, where they start talking about Robin Yearty. And, you know, I kind of talked a little bit about this the first time that we were playing the trial, and I said, who... How did how did Ashley Merchant get this information? Because mm -hmm. his Wade's divorce was sealed. You know, she had to request that it be unsealed. Somebody had to have come to her and said, "There's a relationship." Somebody was feeding, you know, Ashley Merchant all this stuff. Yep. And Terrence Bradley, she said, um, Merchant said, first, are you doing okay? Next, do you have an address for the East Point pad?" meaning I think that was the hateful place yeah. or maybe a name for the lady who owned it. That's the condo that they talked about. Bradley said, I do not let me see any leads would be helpful. And he says, Bradley says, do an open records request of all people hired when Fannie took office and who was fired around June of 2022. If you get that, I'll be able to give you the name. What he's saying is he's, he's giving her the map and saying, I can confirm it, but I'm not going to I'm not going to suggest it. So I'm not going to tell you who she is. But if you tell me, I'll confirm it. And, and this yeah. this happens a lot. That's huge. Where well, like, this, ha this happens a lot for us, right? Like with sources and journalists, yes. like this, this, this is not uncommon behavior. And it's not illegal for him to be working with Ashley Merchant in, in preparation to bring this case. There's not a problem with that. The problem is that all of this information exists and then he changed his story. And the right. reason that he changed his story, I mean, we have to, you know, we, we can speculate 
uh, about that. And I think that the speculation is pretty well founded to say that it was uh, it was Gabe Banks talking to him and, and getting him to change his story. And Gabe Banks is important because his wife is Fanny's chief of staff goes uh ashley merchant goes on to say thomas ricks was her security it was someone who worked for her damn bradley says she hired a girlfriend like a bestie it was her place uh so she hired the man and his girlfriend owned it green was her security as well um they send off the document right there okay so that's pretty much the end of what we'll go through now we'll go through the rest tomorrow before the trial probably we'll probably have to do like half an hour early tomorrow to go through this because i mean yeah. it's up to you it's entirely yeah. Your call. No, I'm down. I lo I love this story. I think this is glorious. And um, you know, I still see in the chat. You know, people are like, oh, the judge, this and that. I saw some of that on Twitter today too. This judge is just going to be corrupt, and Fanny's never getting held accountable. I don't see that. I, I don't objectively. You know, I think I think that it's fair for conservatives to consider that because we've seen a lot of that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there especially in district courts, there has been a lot of. Um, asymmetrical justice but i don't see it in this case i see i i believe that that uh, judge mcafee has been a fair fact finder he hasn't been tilting to one side or the other he's been focused on finding the facts in the case and um i i don't see how with the facts that are in evidence and and um on the record and proffered right um i i don't see how we end up with fanny continuing to um for, well, continuing to oversee this case, Wade continuing to oversee this case to, to be the lead prosecutor in this case. I don't know how she continues to be the district attorney after That's perjuring herself on the stand. Or yeah, how does she stay out of prison? Keep her bar, yeah. her bar license, all her I law license. I don't think she can. All that. The 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 last thing I want to say, and and this is just still just a working theory of mine. You know, and I've said all along that I thought this case was going to implode. And I think now it's kind of making sense. Breitbart comes out the other day on Breitbart and says uh, that they have sources who confirmed that there's an inside White House plant in the Fulton County DA's office. And that's Jeff DeSantis, Jeff DeSantis, I think, DeSantis, D-I-S-A-N-T-I-S. And that this guy uh, is, you know, calling all the shots, so to speak. Uh, he had to have known about the relationship and everything else. And I'm telling you guys, I think the second that Fulton County got that got got pressed for that subpoena to fill that subpoena and Floyd's people said, we're going to do it. We'll pay for it. Whatever it costs, we'll do it. Let's do it. I think they said this thing has to go away. And DeSantis mm -hmm. told somebody in their campaign, hey, if you want, you know, pull pull the thread. Here's the thread. Uh, Fanny and 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 wade have a relationship and from there it was easy i mean if you told me that they were they had a relationship from there that that would have been pretty easy to figure out oh he's getting a divorce oh his divorce records are sealed they're never sealed divorce records are never sealed you know and and i don't know all right that's going to wrap up our show ladies and gentlemen uh if you haven't yet please smash that thumbs up get a little over six thousand people watching and uh only 1.1 thousand thumbs up we need more thumbs up so please hit that thumbs up and uh uh we will see you guys i'll see you tomorrow morning no i'll see you tonight on sit rep i'll see you tonight on sit rep we got a uh, vietnam vet coming on tonight to talk uh some of the old stuff we're gonna get into the nitty-gritty tonight it's gonna be a fun show and uh and then tomorrow morning we'll be back at 10 a.m for for um uh badlands daily followed by the fanny trial with this lovely young lady and then uh why we vote looking forward to all yeah. of it it's gonna and be I'm good coffee <laughs>
Yeah, you need to go get some coffee. Thanks, everybody. And again, as Brian said, please hit the thumb. Helps us out uh, incredibly. We appreciate you. I'll be back on the brief tomorrow. I think Patrick will be will be with me on the preach and on the on the uh, brief. I merged Patrick and brief into. Brief. <laughs> I was going to say, what's your excuse? You had coffee. I said, I said brief. Uh, but yeah, we'll be we'll be back tomorrow morning, and then um, like you said, Fanny, and then why we vote, and it's it's going to be exciting. Oh, rants. We have rants. Oh, rants. Besides, thank you, Rose. Ash, Ash yelling at me. Thank you, Rose. And Ash, and I'm, I'm going to get yelled at by Ash now. She's going to be like yelling at me. How am I yelling at you? Oh I said God, you're going to be. Why am you I going to be yelling at you? Are you going to do something that requires me yelling at you? Yeah, because I, they, they, everybody in the chat's like I yelled at you earlier because I, because I told you we had to move on. Um, no. Yeah, Villas, you're wrong. I, how am I wrong? <laughs> I'm going to, I, I, you know what? I got to, I got to tell John, we got to change that with John and CanCon down there. I'm just kidding. All right, let's get into this. Phyllis 34. It, it really should be like CanCon and Ash and a couple other people. No, I'm just, again, another disservice to Gordon and, and uh, Paul and Chris. Phyllis uh, 34 says, check out iVoterGuide.com if you're voting in primaries and have time to do the research. It's put together by Christian conservatives. They've done the research on your candidates and issues to help you decide. So yeah, I, .com. yeah, ahead, no, I th I think that's great, and I think that there's especially locally there are lots of voter guides that come out, church voter guides, this and that, um, and 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 those are great resources. They have done research. Um, I you know I I still think everybody needs to do their own research, and so consume that stuff, but but fact check it as well, and and make sure that you know you're making a decision that's right for you and your family and your values. 100%. And and don't forget guys, like on the local level, man, you can talk to these people. You could probably go meet them at a restaurant or something, buy them dinner or lunch. I don't know if that's legal. I think it is. Uh but I mean, these are people you can talk to. Like, you know, don't don't be afraid to call them up and be like, "Hey, I'm one of your constituents. You know, I want to talk to you about this." Uh Kitsko says huge question. How much harm is caused to the tenants and property owners inside the Trump's properties? Why is there no countersuit yet? Um, I, I don't know what the harm would be to them. I, I'm assuming when, when Letitia James and New York state take it over, yeah. as long as, I mean, as long as they're functioning and, and, you know, they're operating above water, uh, in the red or in the black. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Space wonder 77 says, is there a promo code where I can pry $2 from Patrick's hands? Yes, you buy two bottles. You buy of two bottles. I was just gonna say that <laughs> Patrick will be so proud of us. <laughs> oh man! All right, Space Wanderer seventy seven says, "Afib eliquis, eliquis." What is that word? May he fall headfirst into a huge concrete step. Oh, afib and eliquis. We're talking about the. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't wish evil. I don't, don't wish, wish harm. harm arm on people only due process and due process. The, um, the, the the results of that process lady nut 85 says did anyone see gates tell bannon that biden's will get away with their crimes since there's no evidence joe received money himself and certain republicans won't do anything my interpretation anyone anyways um so I, I, i'm go ahead well, there is evidence that Joe received money. There's the check that Jim Biden wrote to Joe Biden, and it says loan repayment, and it's two hundred thousand dollars. 
So uh, there, there is evidence that Joe was paid money. Now, what that's for? The check, oh, the check is just you know, it's a loan repayment. Okay, is there uh, documentation on the origination of that loan, or is it like a canny fash, uh, canny fash, fanny cash payment? Mm. Right, like that's the thing is, oh, well, I gave my brother Jim two hundred thousand dollars in cash, and he paid me back with a check. That doesn't sound believable. And the connection of that two hundred thousand dollar payment came right after Jim, uh, Jim James Biden got a payment from a foreign source for like the same amount. So there is, there is evidence. And, and the, the oversight committee has all of this. The next hearing that we're going to get is the Hunter Biden public hearings, which I'm very excited about, but they have the entire, uh, you know, body of evidence that is going to go into that impeachment proceeding. All right. Space Wanderer 77 says no lie. I like it when you guys check each other feels organic. Thanks for a great show. Thanks. Ash and I, yeah, exactly. It is organic. Uh, Today was was more like we got to move along because we usually we could me and Ash can go off. This is one of the shortest shows you and I have done in a while, and it's only because you censored and suppressed my voice. (laughs) Exactly, it's because I told you we got to move on. Otherwise, we'd still be talking about what the hell were we even talking about? Oh, we were talking uh, about reasons why tech companies. Yeah, businesses in Silicon Valley and what's driving the change. Which I and still think most, is a fascinating. I, it's a fascinating conversation, and we could have a whole show on it. Well, for the most part, I agree with you. So I'm just trying to think of other things that could be driving it. And one of the other huge things is that there's still there's no money, there's no COVID funding. They expanded so rapidly uh, during COVID. You know, hiring people to process everything and what was going on, and the AI. The, the AI is another one. How much of this is being bubble. right? How much? Well, not not just a bubble, but it's a bubble that when it bursts. AI fills the void. Yeah. You know, like when this bubble bursts, we talk about this all the time. AI is learning to program itself now, uh, you know, according to Gadot. Um, allegedly. Allegedly, right. Yeah. Well, they are, there is, there is, um, a, you know, business analysts out there speculating that the AI bubble is going to be more profound in its impact than uh, the, the dot-com bubble, the, the OG dot-com bubble, because the, the hype is not meeting reality and um the other thing to remember about you know the covid money like you're saying is that tech companies made a fortune right. during covid because entire life went online right, right. And, and all of the everything that goes along with that they made an absolute fortune i don't think they were reliant upon covid money i think that the world is changing and that the technology has resulted in getting rid of entire disciplines and functions of skills and and that's where they've been they've been telling us that's going to happen for 10 15 years now it's starting to happen that's that's how i see it but well, yeah again we could talk about this all day all right well uh <laughs> guys thank you guys all so much for tuning in ash as always thank you so much for joining me and i will see you tomorrow afternoon and uh guys stay tuned for uh again i'll see you at sit rep tonight at 9 p.m and then uh and uh then- cultural heretics coming up in i think a couple yeah. hours yeah Yep, two hours, two p.m. I'm gonna tune into that. It'll be my first show. I didn't get to see uh, the first, the the inaugural oh, show good. for that. They're so, fun. It's a fun show. And at some point, I gotta get at this Barbie crap uh, story hour. I gotta, I gotta check that out at some point. But I gotta also go get a good show. first. Love you guys. I'm gonna mope through the rest of the day without coffee. It's just um, I'm like Joe <laughs> Biden. I'm Joe Bidening, folks. This is Joe Biden. Thank you so much for joining us and don't forget to hit the thumbs up on this video and a special thank you to all of our advertising partners please remember to shift your dollars to support those businesses that support badlands media 